Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Hey, good morning and God's morning to you. Welcome to the Jesus and Paula show. Every Thursday, 11 a.m. Central Standard Time with a live audience. This is very lively right now. So welcome to today's broadcast of the Jesus and Paula show. We're on a roll here in the world of Dr. Paula Price. The kingdom uh, that God has given us is just astounding. The assignment that we have. I tell you what, the, the sugar and spice and everything nice mentality for approaching ministry in general in our Christianity is gone. It is gone. And we are in the sobriety that we skip over in the Word of God. Talking about being sober-minded, you don't even realize how many times that is addressed or just the idea or notion is addressed in the Word. But these are very sober times we live in. It can be very uncomfortable for you if you are one of the saints that is looking for this homeostasis, happy time, feel-good, gospel, a feel-good approach to handling kingdom business. Right now it's time to take the gloves off put the brass knuckles on, and go to fighting, okay? Because this is the hour that we are in. Satan has upped his game. And typically, the reason we're even here now is because the church just didn't want to believe that it would get this bad. How many prophecies have you read? If you go back maybe 10 to 20 years and look at prophecies that have rolled out, I want you to find the ones that people said weren't God. Now, not the ones that Jesus is coming on this date, because obviously those aren't right. We're still here, all right? And no man knows the hour. So I don't even understand how we keep doing this. Why do people keep doing this when the verse says no man knows the hour? <laughs> all right. And, and so I want you to go back and find those prophecies that were poo-pooed on. Find those words that people didn't want to hear and see what they said. Because many of them might, might, not all, might be, have been talking about where we are right now, a time when the church was bullied, a time when our rights were stripped from us, a time when homosexuality is crazy. What we're going to release, and I'll tell the people who we release information (laughs) for Dr. Price, is a white paper that Dr. Price wrote in 2005, 2007, somewhere around that time, on homosexuality. And she, it was, it's an extraordinary dissertation of the homosexual agenda. At that time, of course, it was just picking up to where we are now. You know, Ellen was still somewhat of an early novelty and coming out of the closet and representing homosexuals everywhere and being proud of it and whatever. And then we had other people who started coming. So this paper was written back then when there was no obvious evidence of what we're living right now. And Dr. Price wrote this white paper on homosexuality. Who was it? What was that paper called? Uh, Jesus, Jesus Christ, Jesus, what? 
Oh, Rachel, see, I see Rachel said, pull it up. Wonderful. Oh, yes. This is wonderful having me on the other side of the camera. Just pull anything up. You have a file for everything. This is fantastic. But she wrote it. And in that paper, she outlined phase by phase, step by step, how the ultimate homosexual agenda was legalizing pedophilia, legalizing adults marrying children, legalizing. Now, if you go, if you read that paper and then go all the way back to the time it was written and go and follow the timeline of this agenda, you will see how everything right on down to we have more than two genders now. Okay. And all of that, the way, this is the way I identify myself. This is the way I see it. So now, what are we seeing? This is the way I see love. So if a 50-year-old man is in love with a 3-year-old girl or boy, who are you to say that's not real? Who are you to say that's not, who are you to say that's perverse? I mean, this is, has been the whole agenda, and she broke that thing down. And in many cases, it was well-received, and in some cases, it was not. Because, again, at that time, the church couldn't even fathom homosexuality dominating anything in our culture, anything at all. You, If you saw a, a man dressed as a woman in public, it was like, what? And, uh, see, I used to work in retail, and I worked in a home store, and there would be certain nights, I don't know if, if you know, subcultures have calendars, and there would be certain nights where gay couples would all come out shopping at the same time. Not together, but just on the same night. Same-sex couples shopping for their, then you would have the transgender cross-dressing, whatever. And I thought, you know, there was a time where it wouldn't be safe for anything like that to happen. And now it's in your face. It, you have to bow to it. I'm walking around in the makeup store. The men are wearing more makeup than I am. What are you looking for? I can tell you which product works best. You know what? I'm just going to go order online. Because I just cannot get eyeshadow tips or blending from a man who's wearing, who's wearing more eyeshadow than I am. It's, you know, I, I well, this one works for me. Okay. www. That's all I'm going to do with it. Jesus Christ confronts homosexuality. Yes. And it was very informative. It's white paper. Like I said, we'll get it up on the site to do your homework somewhere other. There'll be a link where you can uh, go and download it. I'm pretty sure we gave that away for free because we just were like, here, take it, take it, take it. We'll put it in the e-store um, just like the uh, Global Apocalyptic Prayer Project downloads, and we'll set it up. Please make a note. We'll set it up so that you can do that by this weekend and you can begin to download your own white paper and have an intelligent, not just an intelligent argument, because people past arguing now. I mean, this is wrong. And so now we have to understand how are we going to back out of this thing? How are we going to undo and push this thing back? But that written back then was not popular. That was still a, a taboo subject that nobody wanted to touch. And you could kind of get away with not touching it because it wasn't right here. We weren't fighting about men walking into women's bathrooms and everything like that because, hey, this is how I feel like I'm a woman. And you, have to, you used to just have to take your children to the bathroom because it was like the responsible thing to do. You didn't want them to get lost. You certainly didn't want them to get molested. And now you don't even know who's in there for yourself as an adult. It's like, okay, how did we get here? 
Nothing happens overnight. Dr. Price made reference to this, I think, in one of her, bro- one of her broadcasts somewhere. You know what? We're just going to say somewhere. Well, she said, you don't just end up in bed with someone. You don't just end up drunk on the side of the road. I don't know how I got there. Well, you might not know how you got there in that moment because you blacked out. <laughs> but you, you said drink after drink after drink is how you got there. So we're looking up now. A lot of people saying, how did we get here in our least favorite question? Where was God? Where was God? You know what? Let's go back to when this was surfacing, and we'll find out where the church was. Because the question is, where was the church? Not where was God? God is in us. So where were we? What were we pushing? What were we feasting on? What were we emphasizing? Oh, that's right. Putting 20-year-old preachers in the pulpit. That's where we were. So arguing about if we should wear Rick. No, no, that, was, that predates Rick close to church. Let me think. Uh, going back this far is if we um, still should have to wear choir robes or not. We should be able to dress as individuals. We're fighting about things that have nothing to do with people's souls. And fighting for those things to be legitimized, not realizing they are tied to losing people's souls, letting other devils in the house, doing all these other things. Well, this represents, well, I mean, it's just clothes. It's never just anything. And we then were preaching the gospel in the late 90s, early 2000s. We were still, let me think, it was, still, it was the uh, prosperity was hot then. We had done healing with Thoreau, Faith, with Hagen, and we had rolled into uh, prosperity. Because I, I was at college here in Tulsa, and everything, the people they brought in in the early 2000s, all about prosperity. Pull the lever. Pull the lever. I'm thinking I am paying $20,000 a year at that time. It's more now, I think, for education. And I have somebody coming into a university chapel talking about Pull the lever, and your tuition is going to be paid. Now, this was actually before I met Dr. Price. And I was like, uh, I'm sure that's not right. Or else I'd have pulled a lever my whole life and just had money raining in and money coming to me. Now, everything was just about getting rich. So while we were focused on getting rich by doing nothing, I mean, we're in a university. You're telling me to pull an invisible lever. I need you to pull the graduation off, okay? There you can get your economy. So while we're in there talking about just, you know, just have faith and then put your hand on your belly and say ha, 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 and all these other things going on at school, this agenda is pulling itself together. Now, it had been pulling itself together, and now it was planning its attack to rise up. And so while we're chasing invisible money, Invisible access, the enemy is planning his seed, planning his people, execute. This is a well-orchestrated thing. So is the takedown of the church. Well-orchestrated. Planting key preachers, buying key preachers off to change their message. You can tell. You go back and listen to when the message shift, shifted with so many people, huge ministry, talking about this, God, this scripture, boom, 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 and then it goes cultural. We're just going to shift our focus, and we're going to address family, like every message is family. And now we're going to talk marriage from the main service, not a retreat, not a weekend thing, not a club within the organization or ministry department. No, no. And, hey, let's move a bit on the platform. How about this? The trend of no longer having pulpits. Even that is saying something 
about what we've done with the house of the Lord. You don't have a pulpit. You have a little table. You have a little something else going on. A lot of churches don't have that anymore either. All of it is a representation of where we have moved the Lord out of his own house. And that's what we don't realize. It's like if you came home in your own home with the things that you bought for your home, and then your eldest people or your older children or whatnot began to move your things out and put their things in, take out your favorite chair. Look, don't take out the favorite chair. Do not move the favorite chair, okay? Do not touch the favorite coffee mug. Do not, I mean, we have things in our homes that we will excommunicate family members for messing up or ruining or moving. Who touched my remote control? I mean, so we act like God doesn't have a right to be touchy about how his house is handled. We are. Don't put your feet up on the table. What are you doing? Don't throw those pillows on the floor. Those are expensive. I paid a lot of money for that. We'll tell people how much money we paid for something. Oh, no, I just don't let anybody drive my car. No, because you have to handle it the way I would. And the last thing we consider now, the commentary, at least the popular commentary, when handling the things of the Lord's house are actually how he wants them to be handled. Oh, is this your coffee mug? We don't do coffee mugs anymore. We do thermoses. They're trending. Very cool. All the people are doing it in other churches. Oh, you like pulpit? We're not doing pulpit. We're not doing pulpit anymore. Nah, that's old school. We're, we're getting rid of that. Like, that's your thing. Nah, we're getting rid of that. Actually, we're just going to use this little music stand. We're going to use a little round table outside of the Salvation Army. Something acrylic, something see-through, something cool. We're going to do that. Because that's how we feel about your house. Oh, you don't like it? But you're in love. You have to like it. You love, you have to like it. Let somebody tell you that you have to endure their mistreatment or just dismissal of your preferences because you love this. We call that abuse. When somebody forces upon you something against your will, it's called abuse. And the hardest abusers to identify are the ones who are still loving Debbie. She's so nice. People see all that jewelry you're wearing. Oh, look at that piece of jewelry. Did your husband get that for you? Yes, after he threw me through a wall, is what you want to say. And that's how we've been treating the Lord. Oh, is that your pre- Oh, but Lord, your presence is for, what do we say? It's like what we say to our parents and grandparents. They're so dated. They're just dated. You need to come up with the time. I mean, we certainly pull to come up with the times on the Lord. That was old school. That's right. You're old school. You're vintage. Every <laughs> negative label that we have for people who like what they like for the reasons that they like it, and they don't move for you. Those are the hardest people sometimes to become friends with, the ones who want to change you. Now, I'm not talking about you have character problems that we need to adjust, attitudinal things, just the basic you know, Hey, I like this little green plant. Why do I, yeah, I know that you always like those little green plants, huh? Yeah, well, you know, we're going to change that. I know that you like this sermon, yeah, we're going to change that. Oh, I see you always this color, your, your purse is this color, possibly your phone is this color, yeah, we're going to change that. And that's what we've done with the Lord. Oh, yeah, well, I see that you like this one version of the Bible, yeah, we're going to change that. 
Oh, I see you really like tithing. You need tithing to happen. We're going to change that. Okay. We've done it. And then we look up and say, where was God? God's on the outside where you put it. Well, bye. I'm not here. So I'm not here. Don't call me. Call whatever God you replaced me with. That's the one. So where's the church? Off doing another thing. Building coffee houses and coffee shops. And hey, look, I like coffee. We sell coffee, but not at the expense of the word of God. We don't downgrade the entire ecclesia so people can enjoy coming into the house of the Lord. We want you to, when you step in the door, is the house of the Lord. Whether it is a standalone church building, we're in a warehouse, it doesn't matter where you are as far as that goes. But when you step on these grounds, you know, whoa, this is holy ground. This is the Lord's house. Not a roller skating rink, not a club, not a restaurant, not any of those things. This is the Lord's house. Like I said, we have coffee, we see people, we have little cafe, we do all that. But you know what people say? Oh, no, this is the Lord's house, though. This is the Lord's, wow, it's serious around here. Trust me, when we had church in a hotel 20 years ago, folk were like, I said, hey, you know what, some place, you know, ooh, I, you know, all I know is that, like, you know, college kids have no kind of class. That lady's going to read my mail. <laughs> I don't know, because you have you got to be right to go to Dr. Price's church. Do you want to be a mess? We don't even realize what we're saying when we say what we're saying. Oh, I don't know if I'm ready to be that serious about my salvation. Do you understand that if you slip on a banana peel and bust your head open what you just said, you might not make it in because you're just not that serious about your salvation right now. You don't want to go to a church that's for real? I thought, wait a minute, saints are walking around calling people hypocrites for not being real, and then you're not going to churches that are real because they're too real. We cannot have it both ways. You cannot punish people for being hypocritical and then punish them for being unadulterated, for being authentic. Pick one and stick with it, okay? But the whole back and forth and, well, I just really love the word that you bring, but I don't appreciate the approach that you deal with the people. Come on. Well, I just really appreciate how uh, legit your word is, but you know what? I just really wish you just need to be softer in how you deliver it. This is not customizing the gospel class. I would like my own gospel today. Let me go. I mean, seriously, we have too much of a download app mentality. Like, if we don't like the church we're in, well, let me just uninstall this church uh, experience here. Let me download another one and try that one out. Mm, let me uninstall this aspect of it. Allow access? No. Deny. 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 Okay. I mean, this is how we treat now. So when your feathers are ruffled or whenever your flesh gets riding high or your emotions are attached to something, then that's when you want to question if the uh, man or woman of God is really hearing from God. As our apostle always says, look, find me in the Word. You find what I'm saying. I mean, Sunday we had a my bad. Church on Sunday, okay? Woo! Sicily, 1892. It got really real in the congregation of the mighty, but you know what? It was all found in the Word. And sometimes that level of truth is more than what people want. I'm not going to say you can handle. What you can handle is largely your choice. 
And unless I'm dropping weight on you, like your body physically can't hold it, this is largely what do you want to believe is the truth. These are times that is the hardest to determine, and I would say that bring to light what your true feelings are. Feelings, and I'm saying feelings, how you feel about the Lord, and then what you think about it as well. Are you actually led by thoughts or feelings? Because, see, once you start seeing something in print, in the Word, and you still stick into your feelings that are contrary, you're in trouble. You are in trouble. When you're reading the Word of Truth, the Gospel, my God, it's here, it's in like six passages. Boom, 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 boom. Wow, never saw that before, never realized that was there. But you know what, I just really can't let go. I just really love a part of And I know she's cutting up. She's not cutting up. <laughs> okay. Apostle so-and-so. Just grow up. But I, mean, I know that they cut up really bad, but they've done so much for me personally. Dr. Price had a phrase on Sunday. She had many phrases. But she told us that she is shifting our mentality from household to stronghold. I said, Lord Almighty, right. So those household mentalities that you have about keeping house versus keeping the kingdom. We're an embassy. Congregation of the mighty ecclesial embassy. And I think we probably need to start saying that last piece a little more often. So that we can get it in our heads why we are in this direction, in this vein, in this posture, under this mandate that we are on. It's not just the congregation part. It's the ecclesial embassy piece that's actually governing and steering where we are going. The word we got on Sunday, that's ecclesial embassy work. Lord, we just happen to congregate to you. <laughs> that's that's an ambassadorial. Ambassadorial with an E. That's that kind of thing. Oh, now we're talking about keeping the stronghold and not just the house, not just the household. That's a wake-up call. That's when you choose ye this day who you will serve. Are you going to serve you, your emotions? Are you going to serve the Lord? Are you going to serve your family? Are you going to serve your crying children, your, your crying dog, your cat, I don't know, your job, whatever? What are you going to serve, your emotions? That's the question. And at every opportunity, we all have it, where you sit down and you decide who is going to rule today. Is it going to be the Lord? Is it going to be you? Is it going to be other people? Can you cut ties with your sentimentality to be loyal to the Lord? Can you? Jesus was like, who is mother? Who who are these people? I mean, in the end, he understood. Look, he was on assignment to see to it that we could have salvation as an option. Can you imagine if this man said, oh, Father, I came to the cross. Can we send somebody else? Because I just really love my mother that you gave me. I mean, I see why you picked Mary, Lord. She is just wonderful. She is perfect. She lives. But I have my siblings. I'm going to have family. We act like Jesus had no family because he had no wife. Which is typically how we treat single people now. And, you just, and I know because I'm saying you just fell off of a tree somewhere because you don't have a spouse 
or children that you don't have family. You don't know what it is to struggle with family. Oh, okay. I don't know. Where did you think I came from? A pack of wolves? I mean, seriously. He had a family. His family was standing out. The man is trying to hit. Your mother's outside. Your mother's outside. Family embarrassing you all over the place. Oh, talk about, look, woman, don't act like you don't know who I am. Okay? Man, no, woman. Woman. Okay? Don't act like you don't know how I got into your womb. Don't forget, I know it's been a couple decades, so really settle into this mom, son, dad, family dynamic. But then the divine assignment kicked in, and it wasn't just Jesus doing household tricks. How did she know he could turn water into wine? Come on, uh, because he had been whipping stuff up, obviously. Obviously. She's like, do what he tells you to do. That means that Jesus was always Jesus. It's a family secret. Look, nobody say anything until it's time. But they knew, just like you know your siblings in the house, the people who are amazing and great, when they go back and interview the family, they're like, well, yeah, they were always like that. But President Trump, oh, no, he was, he was never going to be defeated, ever, ever. Failure is just not a thing in his life. So when you, when you backtrace, so Jesus, he was, he was in flesh. And he had to put his family in check so he could get the mandate done. Hold on, let me, let me call my dad real quick and see. Uh, what's the crucifixion thing again? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. You know, we got this thing coming up. I was wondering if I could go. <laughs> uh, okay. Hold, hold, hold on, I want to call my dad. Hold on. Uh, no, no, not, not Joseph. My, my dad. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. Okay. Oh it's, oh, it's coming up soon. So, okay, so if I go on this trip, then I won't be well. Okay, well, um, you want to, okay, let me, let me just check. All right, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. I mean, come on, we had, like, the way we do God, we had, like, if Jesus did that, we wouldn't be here. We would not be, and you know what, we were going to go on this ski trip. I was just really, man, you made the mountains. What are we talking about? You want to go on this ski trip? <laughs> we, we had, Jesus, you know, he just had a wife. What did the word say? He did not trust anybody. He put his trust in no one. He put his faith in no one because he knew what was in humanity. There was not one woman on the planet that could sway that man. Because he could see straight to your wretched, dirty soul. Not appealing. Not appealing. Not seduced. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. Now that they tried, because that's what women do. I'm sure that's what men do. That's what was done. That's what is done. Okay. <laughs> it's what was done and done. But it's like, uh, no. And the same response that Jesus gave Satan in the wilderness? Really? Boy, bye. No, please don't go to bed. Bye. Ain't nobody get time for you. See what you're appointed time. <laughs> this, is, this is a drama degree is coming out. Okay, the drama degree is coming out. My mother later will tell me, girl, I tell you, are something else. You should just laugh on the phone. <laughs> but seriously, this is how, can you imagine if Jesus was as human as we preach that he was? I mean, really. We don't teach that divinity piece because we can't even wrap our heads around it because we're trying to understand what the Holy Spirit on the inside of us is supposed to do. 
Rolling, rolling, rolling. Apocalypse, rolling. Rolling, rolling. Ah! You all the buzzers. Yeah, uh-uh. You, no, you cannot play with the toys today. You have, no. You are not allowed to play with toys today. I don't want to vote. I don't. I want to vote now. I want to vote now. Matter of fact, let's skip the vote. Let's just get Amanda swearing in there. Oh, no. People are going to swear me. Let's wait. Why waste time? I agree. I just think my time. I'm extending this time. Come on, Jesus. Well, since it's not safe to come out and vote, we should just postpone the election. That's when you sit, now all of a sudden numbers are going to drop. When you sit in a seat. That's why they put them, they, they, them levels in seats. Right. And they didn't realize that, that, that they didn't have them in the highest seat because we voted them out. <laughs> we didn't want them. Yeah. You know, our prayers are working. And I'm excited about the prayer working. Does anybody know the prayers they be, are working? Yeah. You know, I'm going to tell you, it's so interesting you were talking about that with the Lord. Um, because we always say, let this mind, I have the mind of Christ. We haven't seen the mind of Christ in mainstream Christianity in decades. True. We don't realize we haven't seen it because Satan took the book, rewrote it, all the mother translations that got all of this cultural language and all of this, of whatever. Um, but we haven't seen the mind of Christ. Yeah. And because we haven't seen it, because you know us, we're kind of like, um, we're kind of like, well, what would Jesus do? That was the cutest little nothing I ever saw. <laughs> made a whole lot of movies. With, and the answer to what would Jesus do is what I think is right. That was the answer. What would Jesus do? What I, what humans think is right. And so, I mean, you know, they got a bunch of them on the Dove channel. I like the little Dove channel because, you know, they say they kind of being the certified thing and they're not going to shock you, scare you. But when I look at, when that first came out, I said, a, a pastor would love that because it keeps the kids happy and, and, you know, and trends and carrying on. But an apostle wouldn't stand it. What would Jesus, a what? On a bracelet? Give me a bracelet. Not a bracelet. I'm going to need you to have a, not a bracelet and a T-shirt. Yeah. So the question is, what would Jesus do? They did not use Bible to tell you what Jesus would do. No. They used scripture excerpts. And then they took the scripture excerpts, treated them like almonds, wrapped some humanist theology around it as chocolate, and then put it on the shell of culture. Wow. And so that was Jesus' chocolate-covered almonds. I use almonds because they think he's a nut. <laughs> and so, and, I, and when it came around, I told my church, don't you bring that, don't you bring it in my church. I don't need a bracelet to tell me what Jesus would do. I got 66 books that's going to tell me what Jesus would do. The author of Scripture. The author. You know, we think the author and finish of our faith. We don't understand that our, the Scriptures are our faith, documented. So I think that, you know, I, frankly, you know, to me, what would Jesus do belongs in Sunday school. 
not an adult church. And by the time we get to adults, we ought to be answering the question, not asking it. This is what Jesus would do. You know? But because we have, thank you, because we have all of this, um, this, all of this doctrine, all of this, let's get out of church, and let's break the mold, let's break, let's break, let's break away, and all of that. You know, we, we talk about this, the, the devil um, in Psalm chapter, uh, uh, the second Psalm, but the church was the beginning of the end. When you looked at all of the things that we fought, first of all, we fought over the stupidest things. Lipstick. Yeah, that's a big one. I mean, come on, pull up cannons on that. Mm. Whether or not the clergy should be dressed as priests mm-hmm. or prophets of culture, mm-hmm. modeling culture. And then we wonder what, why people are confused. Let's talk about the titles. We don't need titles. Right. We, that was one of the early ones. Why should I have to respect you? You know better than me. God doesn't love you any more than me. God loves everybody, but he's not using everybody the same way. And so we do, we have a long way to go. And one of the reasons that we were able to do that is because, the, you know, what, is, what did you learn in your AIT program? Scriptures offering mantle. See, the definitions were by the handed down, the handed to. So the handoffs, the people we handed the word off to, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, redefined scripture because they felt if we have the body, then we have the power. And for a while, it looked like that worked, didn't it? Until January, February 2020, you no longer have the people with your church. The Lord Jesus took his body from you because he's, his attitude is, I need y'all to understand, I am the shepherd of the flock. I am the bishop of the soul. I am the God. I am. He likes that I am. He likes two words, three letters, I am. What are you, Jesus? Whatever I am. Okay. And so I just added, I am everything. You know, as a matter of fact, you get to the New Testament. He starts out at the beginning, I am. He gets to the New Testament, I am all in all. Okay, we finally got the end of that sentence. <laughs> you know, what you were going to feel that sentence. I am the all in all. Okay. And so I said all of that to you to say, we are going, because when God has to fight for his kingdom or fight for his church, he goes and he pulls his soft services out of the kingdom. And because, see, you, it's nice that we got all of these, you know, wow, I got a lot of celebrities and whatnot in my church. That's really nice, but God wants them to fight in the field. Those are his field fighters. So he is going to bring apostles and prophets. God always retakes the kingdom with prophets first. Prophets are God's warriors. Did you want to hear what I just said? Prophets are God's warriors. The first, from the from Abel to the I, that was that that's the ring. Um, no, 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 no. You lucky we let you play with the green, and you cannot have that one. <laughs> let you play with the green, but she can't help it. But from Abel to the two prophets in Revelation 11 who tear up the planet. Three and a half years. God does everything with a prophet. He begins it with a prophet. I was so stunned when I realized that um, Amos, when you know you read Amos, I love Amos. 
when you go to Amos 3, are famous. Two things I want you to understand, because you need to get this. Amos and Hosea. I want you to go to Amos first, and we'll be backstepping, but you'll be all right. Amos 3. We love quoting that. We love it. Don't we love it? But, and I, I, I alluded to it. They live right next door to each other, in case you don't know. They're almost in a duplex. <laughs> but we love this. We love this. And so I did a study on it yesterday, and I was stunned when he said, when I researched what it was. And so Amos 3, who comes after Joel, if you're in the neighborhood, you know, sometimes when we get on Prophet's Row, we have to know who's living in what house. And it says, now, if you've ever read this, the whole thing, it's it, it, it punched to this. And so and here's the word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family, which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, you only have I done. Hear this. This is the most tragic and yet insightful statement in the book other than the seventh verse. And he says, um, you only of all the families of the earth have I known. Therefore, I will punish you for your iniquity. God says, I got intimate with no other generation, no other nation, no other family tree, no other progenitor but Abraham. You are the only one. That's what he says about Christianity. You're the only faith. That I sent from my world, how dare you turn on me? How dare you turn on me? And what did they what was their thing going back to the gods of the nation? I read uh, on one of my broadcasts, Deborah said they chose new gods. See, this is always a God boy. That's why this it faith has to come in and not the the godhood the Godship out of Jesus Christ in you so that you will become a member of his forces. He said, but you only, I bet you a lot of people have never read that. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquity. We got God forgive, God forgive, God got to forgive, God got to forgive, blah, 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 blah. Let me just tell you what God said about his forgiveness. He said, though he is Lord, he, though he is God who forgives, he takes vengeance on your needs. Now, how does that fit in the New Testament? God is not mocked. He that souls to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. Now, see, we ready to hear this. This is prophet talk. This is why we got the, the label as doomsday. So you create the dooms and you get mad because we explain the day of judgment. So the doom, you create the doom. And the word doom actually comes from deem, D-E-E-M, what God deems appropriate for damnable behavior. There are damnable behaviors. Even John says in the New Testament, there is sin leading to death. And we have all of these things like, what could that be? God already told you the sins that are leading to death. The first one that leads to death is idolatry. You go to the Ten Commandments, you're going to find the sins that lead to death. 
You go through the, the reason they got put out of the land. You go through the reason that Miriam was kicked outside the camp. There's a whole lot of answers right there in Scripture, but we won't, we won't tap on that. We'll bring that another time. But look, so then, now God starts reasoning. See, God is logical. He's calling for the logic, the little chip of logic he put in all of us. So he starts reasoning. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Remember that, because today I'm talking about a role prophet. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? You understand that if we don't agree to where we're going to end up, we're going to have to break strides. You're going to have to go one way, and I have to go another. Uh, that's what happens. One person's going to the store, the other one's going to the church. They get to the corner, the crossroad, where the store is opposite direction of the church, so the person who's going to the store will leave the person who's going to the church. Mm-hmm. So now I have to pass, paint these pictures because we are so theologically and doctrinally fixated that we don't break down what the words are actually saying and how they look when they are peopleized, when they are enacted or actionized. So look at this. So now he goes from, this is, this is a question, okay? Can two walk together unless they be free? Now he's going into verse 4 comparison. Will a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? Will a young lion cry out of his den if he has taken nothing? He's talking cause and effect, and he's backing it up. He said, if this is the effect, then you have to trace the cause. Because it was logical in that time, wherever they were located, that lions in the forest found dinner or fought predators. And then, well, when he has no prey, so the lion is going to, I didn't catch anything. I don't have anything. And so will a young lion cry out of his den if he's taken nothing, a little wealth? And he's like, got it. Why? Lions roar when they succeed, when they win. And he said, can a bird fall in a snare upon the earth where is no gin, um, where no gin is for him? Shall one take up a snare from the earth and have nothing at all? Shall a trumpet be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? It's kind of like our line. You know, we have to tell ourselves this is the test. They have to tell us this is the test. Because we scared our alarm, our trumpets. That's this is the test. All right? Uh, and shall there be evil in the city and the Lord hath not done it? Now, here is where we are with the whole disease thing. Because, see, we, we, we think that Satan gets away from God. No, Satan gets his marching orders from God. God gives us his clipboard. Okay, this is what you're going to do. It's on your tablet. This is what you're going to do. And so God is telling us nothing happens apart from him without him. That's a theology. That's a doctrine you have not heard because you got caught up in the grace doctrine. Satan overpowered the Almighty and decided to attack his people. Satan slipped in God's back door, hacked into God's system broke into his program, that's not scripture. I know we like to think that, but if you do, then you're serving the wrong God. That's another piece of logic. You're so wrapped up in rhema, you know what I'm saying? The rhema has got to conform to logo logic. And so 
Surely, now this thing is so good. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. Now, I understand in the, in the environment of Acts chapter 2, we have an Acts chapter 2, right? He said, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. You all remember that? And your sons and what daughters will prophesy. Your young men will have some vision because they got a, a vision is for future. Your old men are about dreams. That's history. You go old, now you hope God take care of it. But then he goes and he's old. Well, look at, think about Simeon and Anna. When Jesus was born, at the twin Simeon said, I can go now. Lord, Jesus, help me. No, I'm out. And so he said, and then on my main service and on my main service, on my, my, so my male and female servants have a different dimension of prophecy or of the prophetic. Different in what respect? They go back to here. I don't just give them a message. They don't just say, I empower them to do. So he says, we, we read this as surely the Lord God says nothing. That's not what he wrote here. He wrote do. That means set in order, put to work, mobilize his forces. One, one uh, definition I thought was so, uh, um, so powerful, he said, he said, energize his word to go to work. So even if the world is prophesying it, we make it so. So we, that is why when I said I was teaching about the discernment and I said notice that the word of wisdom comes before the word of knowledge. Because wisdom, God's got to talk wisdom. Otherwise, you don't know if he's talking wisdom or witness. The lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord has spoken, who can but prophesy? These almost sound like they're the same. Almost. But the speaking and the doing, two different things. God, God does by speaking, and he speaks to do. But he separates the two. Now look at this. Publish, and he goes on to tell Amos what to do, and that's great. Um, we're going to go over to Hosea. Hosea, because he's Now, I have said this over and over again. Because, you know, you get that new Bible, you have to put your color on it. And so, but he said, but now look at this, because we always make humans the victim. We've talked this forever. Uh, Hosea 4, 6, he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And we taught you that as a period, short sentence period. That is not what that said. Get your own Bible and read it. Because he said, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt no longer be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. We are all having a fit. Everything in the Bible says that when you mess up, your kids pay for us. Everything. And it's not 
God hitting the kids because he can't get you. That is not why he's doing it. He's saying what you put into your culture, your children absorb, and they suffer the negative and positive consequences of what you have passed on to them. We went from, from let's just say, kids having to have, you know, have parents to chaperone them when they had the little crushes to now them having phone apps to have phone sex without the parents. And then you want to talk to God about why your kid's being snatched. God is like, you've surrendered. Your culture, Not you may not have done it individually, but your culture, and you voted it, and you okayed it, etc. And now, he said, because when you turn on me, I will bereave you of your children. Well, it's just not fair. I didn't do it. Yeah, you didn't do it, but you, you also didn't do anything against it or about it. What are you going to do? That's just the way it is. Now, God says that, what did he say? What it is. He said, and he tells you, he said, I have healed you. God said he has. When we think about the word heal, it's meaning we understand as the word has. He said he has healed us by the words of his prophets, going back to what he does. God has that kingdom with the words. Why do you think Satan doesn't want God to have prophets? See, his prophets have too, but they have the righteous. We have the wicked. That's what prophets do. We have the wicked, which is why God tells us, be careful what we say about each other. So there are things that we have got to restrain ourselves because we can hurt each other and not mean it. He said, but I heal you by the words of my mouth, by my prophet, because God does everything by prophet. Now, I want to go to a passage that you will ask, I think, that totally revolutionized how I see the prophetic. So I'm going to Hosea 12:10 and 13, so you can understand why I'm talking about role prophets. He says in Hosea 12:10, I have also spoken by the prophets. And I have multiplied vision and used similitudes. You cannot really say you're ready to speak for God if you have not had similitude class. Because God is a visual God. And similitudes are visual aids for prophecy. And by the ministry, and they, now this Bible put the word ministry, by the ministry of the prophets. So he said, I have also spoken by the prophets, and I have multiplied visions and used similitudes. Now, you, you have to understand that he's talking about allegories, he's talking about parables, and he's talking about similes. So you do understand that that's not a magical faculty. You don't just have that. That just You have to understand what words mean, and you have to understand what words mean in Bible culture and in Bible 2020, today's world. So we might, way back then, and, and they don't really mean a lot different, but they are articulated or named differently. So he says to her, now he says, and by the ministry of the prophets. Now listen to this, because the word ministry is hand. It's the word yod, the Y-A-W, it's hand. So by the hand, see, doing, he said, I spoke to you, and I multiplied visions and used the similitude and by the hand of the prophets. So you have to remember that if you are, Ordained as God's prophet, 
you sit in a different class and you have a different category of ministrations than the person who is singing in the choir, who's playing the drums, who's running in the pulpit. You see what I mean? See, it's different. Oh, yeah. So then we go down, and I love this, verse 13. And by a prophet, the Lord brought Israel out of Egypt, and by a prophet was he preserved. Preserved his people by prophets, but prophets' duties are to preserve his people, not to become clinical therapists that send them into confusion. And teaches them rebellion. There is a literal judgment for teaching rebellion against the Lord. It is a real judgment. Because you taught rebellion against the Lord. You cannot get away with that. And so here's where we are. You know, and God said, he said, you know, because my my judgment takes time, you think it's not a problem. No, God's judgment, like everything else about God, is physiological first. So it's working in the psyche. First, it works in your psyche to get you to become aware and repent. So it gives you that season. Wow, I messed up. Ooh, I messed up. Whoa. And so while it's working in your, because you need somebody who understands this, because I'm telling you, I didn't just sit on a chair called prophet and apostle. I, I literally took hold of the realm. I took hold of the realm. That's, see, see, does that have to make me That's how I'm going to do it. See, I took, I'm bringing you what's in the realm. Because when you're a chief, you get the realm, and the realm is put in you. And I'm not just I'm trying to figure out, please hear me, so that I could be a futurist. I'm not just a futurist or predictor. I have the realm because our job is to guard and keep this man's realm, his kingdom. That is our job, our first duty, our responsibility. And our ceaseless duty is to take care of the Lord Jesus Christ and everything that he has mastered and conquered. So a, lot of your, a lot of you all are out there and you started out as prophets and you're now therapists. The Satan's therapy. The same therapy that God raised you up to outshine. And to outstrip. So we need to understand this because you know that I told you. What did I say, son? I meant what I said. <laughs> I know that's right. Can we say I know that's right? So now these are just some of the things that you say prophets do. So I actually gave you three of them. But I have thousands of pages on prophets. Not pages that I sat in my little closet and after doing some home meditations, decided to write. I labored in libraries. I labored in research. I labored in, 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 in investigation. I also labored in analysis. I had, I don't even know how many pages that we looked at of my, my assessment, tens of thousands of formulas that will string this thing together. Because you're not good if all you can do is listen. If all you can do is listen, then you're a reciter. If you can string it together, you're an expounder. 
You're an analyst. And so the church has been so poorly taught because in your mind, you got this Greco-Roman model of the prophetic, see and say, hear and stress. But that is not what God has, what God gave us, and what the Lord Jesus brought to the planet. Because he did come to the planet as a prophet. See, I know, we thought he was just the Messiah. Okay? They called him a prophet. And they, he reminded them of the prophets because he's the God of the prophets and the author of their prophecies. Yes. Yes. See, we keep thinking that this is something else. The, the New Testament did not give us something else. It did not discredit the old. It actually expanded the old. It multiplexed it so that it could multiply it among all nations. Hmm. All nations. So when people say, well, what's the difference between a, an Old Testament prophet and a New Testament prophet? The difference is one goes to a single nation. But the promise to Abraham was that he would be the father of many nations. All nations have always been God's goal. And Isaiah makes that point very clear, that it's all nations. So why? What does that mean? That means a prophet under the, oh, under the New Testament dispensation has the Jesus that before time. They have Jesus of all time because they're going to know everything. And Daniel makes that, that thing very clear. He vivifies it by the promotion to being the chief prophet over all spiritual ministries and all divine communities. Oh, y'all didn't catch that. I'm going to hit the bell. Go ahead. She, she can't help it. She bless her heart. She bless her heart. She has to, because that's it's, it's in her. So you have, so I don't have an identity crisis. I really don't. I don't have a shortfall of anything that I need, because even if it's not here, I have the reservoir of archives here. So I know how to go get it from here. And how do I test it? I always test it by what the author of the prophets has always said and has always done. Your company, the the organizations you work for, same thing. So you're supposed to be preserved by a prophet, not perverted. Satan's prophets pervert you. And people who yield themselves to humanism, as in our recent condition and our recent experiences, will pervert you so that God makes no sense to you. We know the scriptures that God is not the author of confusion. We will, we've said it probably all of us in our lifetime hundreds of times. When we say that, God is not the author of confusion. So where there's confusion, you need to find out where the, where the demonic infusion came from because pure confusion comes from infusion. So y'all didn't come here to play around. You all relocated here. Dozens and dozens of you relocated here for the top of the top while you're down in the bottom with the slob. You could have stayed home, saved yourself a lot of money, kept your family happy. You could have done all of that. 
But for you to come here and give, that's, that's like Ananias and Sapphire. You told God you came here to do a particular thing. You vowed, you committed, you acted on it, and the minute that you didn't like it, you broke your vow to the Lord. And the Lord said it is better to not vow than to vow and not pay. You said, God sent me to my pastor, my church, my ministry, my mentor. You promised God that if he gave you the right person after you went through and field tested all of the wrong ones. Is that true? I love this audience here. This is what I love on this audience. I promise you. I am loving this amen audience. So you promised God, you told God you would do it a certain way, and that way would be his way. He sent you to someone who would have all of your answers, who had paid the price, someone who had given it all, and someone who had verifiable proof of doctrine, credentials, authority, etc. And you know what you did? You went back to the no-namers and the no-gamers and the complainers. I love her. I'm telling you, I love her, but I know her. So you go, and a lot of you all get all caught up in church mess, and you believe that the rebel is a victim. And you treat the, re- the rebel as if there's someone you must rescue. You don't rescue the work of the Lord. You don't rescue the sheep that have been devastated. You don't rescue anybody. And when your children get in trouble, you want God to rescue them when you didn't care about what was near and dear to his heart. Is that the truth? She You have to make sure, that's why I'm teaching the sermon, you have to make sure you detect where the problem really is. You must go to the root, inspect the root by examining the fruit. You can't see root, but you can see fruit. You cannot see where that root of that apple tree was and what bit it, what messed over it, what poisoned it, what it connected with. You can't see that, but you bite in that apple and you can say the root is spoiled. Is that right? And I've seen some beautiful looking fruit that tastes horrible. Hard, tasty. I just want you to know. Isn't it the truth? I am, you know, when I told God I was going to be his apostle, I said, no holds barred. He said, you don't bar me, I don't bar you. So God and I have a deal. No, I don't put limits on him. He took them off of me. I don't have anything that I'm restricting him to do. Lord, please don't do this. Uh -uh. And I have no other God before him. So you have to find out the idol in the heart before you decide who's right or wrong. Because Jeremiah says, every man walks in the name of their God. And in our situation, there was an idol that's been there for 20 years. And we knew about it and never uncovered it because we wanted to give you a chance to grow, to learn, to think, to mature. A lot of, a lot of churches, you have never checked the idol, and then you wonder why you're having the fallout. 
You must look for the idol. Is it okay to say it like that? Because you have to interrogate the idol before you interrogate the leader. Because you're assuming that the leader has an issue with the being and not the idol. We are saturated with idolatry because Satan has revived a lot of his old pagan ways and his pagan witnesses and consciousness. Listen, and I'm going to tell you, want to know how to expect the idol? Can I say that? I'm saying it because, you know, share they both. I'm just saying. You want to know how to expect an idol? Then, listen, create a transcript of the constant conversation. Transcripted. Trans- can I say it again? See, because if you go back and replay all of the words and all the conversations, you will hear the idol talking. And you will know the idol is conditioning and brainwashing that vessel so that it has a home for a long time, but also so it can launch an attack against that ministry, against that leader, against that vision. See, the idol is always looking to gain ground from Jesus Christ. Listen to the idol. Can I say this? Because you know I'm, I'm saying it. Listen to the idol. See, if people, when she said people don't fall in a moment, you know, um, she's right. They don't fall in a moment. People fall slowly because the conversion from Christ to culture is the first step. Culture. So whenever there's a vote, they vote culture. They're going to tell you about who the famous stars are. They're going to tell you about who, what star married who. They're going to tell you all of that. can't tell you anything about what Jesus is doing. Can't. All you hear is culture. All you hear is what, and, and what the trends are. You're always going to hear that. And, and Christ, literally, Christ's tradition has to knock head with trends. Interrogate the idol. And you can get out before you get infected. Can I say that? I want you to hear me. I really want you to hear me because you need to recognize, you know, over 125 times God talked about idols in Scripture. 125 times. I had to go look it up. I wanted to be correct. Over 125 times. Do you think it's a problem? Okay. And then when you think about it, because I have to tell you, because I had to do this one time. And so he talked about idols over 125 times. He talked about other gods nearly 500 times. So we're bumping up on a thousand times. The Lord is telling you the problem is doesn't begin with humans. Interrogate the idols. See, if you, if you want to protect yourself now, because, see, humans of their own right don't have the same latitude, station, and stature to do these things without a spiritual facilitator, a spiritual authorizer, a spiritual enabler. That's what we become as prophets when he changes us and puts us in position. Isn't that great for you to hear? See, it takes a spirit. I have, what did he say? 
are come because of your word. It is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. He goes on and on and on. So if you don't deal with the spirit of a thing, you are bound to be a casualty of this deception. And if that spirit finds compatibility in your soul, namely you have an idol that it knows is already controlling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you what I know. We look at, <laughs> what did she say? Now, I'm going to read this to you because I, I think it should be read. You know, I kind of got this, and I've said it before, and we, you know, kind of don't go with it. So here we are, Jehoshaphat and Ahab, okay, First Kings. 2.22, verse 7. And Jehoshua said, is there not a prophet of the Lord? Now, Ahab got how many prophets? Oh, 400 or so prophets. And Je- Jehoshaphat is a ruler that knows the sound of a true prophet from a false one. If you had listened to the idols, you would have found this prophet had gone rogue yeah. and had gone false. But you didn't listen to the idol. That's right. You listened to the sentiment. You listened to the history and did not realize that the idol had erased or compromised the destiny. Because the idol interjects, rewrites the destiny. And how does it do it? It takes you back to your destiny in Adam. Because I have in my dictionary, you can look it up. Are you all all right with this? I need y'all to be hanging tough with me out there on Facebook. I want you to understand that. So I wrote in there, the Bible makes a very interesting distinction. It said these are the book of the generations of Adam in Genesis, and then we have in Matthew the generation, according to Isaiah 53, of Christ. You only have one destiny in Christ. Adam needs a bump because people are dying. All right. And Jehoshaphat said, it's not, it's not there here a prophet of the Lord besides that we might inquire of him. Because that's what we're seeing right now with the media. See, the media is like Ahab. You can't hear from the truth because they set up a blockade. So you can't hear the truth. So Jehoshaphat, just let you know that this is Bible 2020. And then 1 Kings 22, 8, And the king of Israel said unto Joshua, uh, Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man, one it only takes one for God to get through. Amen. One man, Micaiah, the son of Eliah, by whom we may by whom we may acquire the Lord. This guy, people know they're wrong. He knows he's wrong. He said, by whom we may acquire the Lord. But I hate him, for he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. This, if this is not Bible 2020, I don't know what is. And Jehoshaphat said. Let not the king say so. Jehoshaphat was a good guy. You know, that good, charismatic, word of faith, evangelical person. He's good. No, he wouldn't say evil of you. You're the king. Then the king of Israel called an officer. He didn't say he called a member of the crowd. The king of Israel called an officer and said, Hasten, hither, Micaiah, the son of Em. 
and my let me put on some glasses. I could be saying it wrong, but you know I don't have glasses on. I'm saying it right. Y'all was saying it wrong. Emma, guys, see, you need the magnifiers. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, sat on each on his throne, having put on their robes. They got dressed for official service in a void place, which means they were out, you know, out of, out of their structures, in a void place in the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. All the media saying the same thing. And yet Jehoshaphat has the ear of the frequency of truth. See, truth has a frequency, and lies have a frequency. And you should have been able to hear the frequency. And Zedekiah, son of Canaan, made him horns of iron and said, Thus says the Lord, with these shalt thou push the Syrians until you have consumed them. Oh, yeah, false prophets get very theatrical, <laughs> very dramatic. Oh, my gosh. Because they, they have to now persuade you with sight and sound. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to remote Gilead and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver into the king's hand. And so that's what, so now remember, this eye has always been there. The king of Israel always knew where he was. Could have brought him out. Probably already sent somebody there to um, inquire of him and didn't like the report. So he decided to go and make the fatal mistake of discernment. And that is to call the majority right because it's the majority. That's a fatal mistake for, to me, I say, for discernment. Because discernment is not looking for the majority. It's looking for the variation, the minority. Discernment is looking for the difference and not the similarity. Y'all still working with you? All right. So we don't know why. And the messenger that was gone to call Micaiah spake unto him, saying, Behold now the words of the prophets. Declare good unto the king with one mouth. In other words, follow the crowd. Join the herd. Let thy word, I pray thee, be like the word of one of them, and speak that which is good. In effect, lie, 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 lie. <laughs> and make an eye said, as the Lord liveth, what the Lord says unto me, that I will speak. Another prophet said that earlier, Balaam, and we know how that turned out. <laughs> so he came to the king, and the king said unto him, make an eye, shall we go? against remote Gilead to battle, or shall we forbear? And he answered him, go and prosper. He's obeying the laws of the land. The laws of the land, they already said, the king wants you to tell me to go. He said, go and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into your hand. In other words, he's repeating what they said. First of all, I don't want to die right now. And secondly, I want you to demand, use your authority to demand that I tell you what's really going on. And the king said unto him, listen to this, how many times shall I adjure you that thou tell me nothing but that which is true in the name of the Lord? So this guy knows the truth. He knows that his prophets are liars. He knows that he has been given faulty intelligence, false prophetic intelligence. He knows it. 
But he wants to go to war. And when people have an ulterior motive, all the truth in the world won't fix it, won't overturn it. This man believes his army's the best. He believes that he's in good stead with God because God has sent him strong delusion that he will believe the lie and allow his delusions to come back on him, Isaiah 66, 4. He said, God will send him strong delusions. So here we go. And he said, in the Lord, and then Micaiah, because i got to obey the king. He's obeying authority. The authority has now released him to tell the truth. And he said, I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that have not a shepherd. And the Lord says, these have no master. Let them return every man to his house in peace. Now, that's a powerful statement because you say, you tell me to the king, what do you mean you don't have a master? I'm a king. <laughs> and what is he saying? He has forsaken my people's best interest. He has become a man of his own agenda, his own desires. So in God's world, Ahab quit God and stopped leading God's sheep a long time ago, which is why they were turned over to pagans indeed. So you get a leader who says, well, you know, this is how we do it, or this is what I'm doing, and you get a leader that goes against God. You understand that that leader has sold you to God's adversary, and it was a legitimate transaction. See, what we don't realize is that it's a legitimate transaction. You stay with that church, you're in the transaction. You stay with that leader, that mentor, that whatever, you are in the transaction. And the leader that doesn't rise up and yank you back like David, pull your ear out their mouth, And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that he would prophesy no good concerning me but evil? Now, and they always, they, you remember, the wicked are always the victims. Because they can't see truth. truth their lie has become their truth. So they're like, what do you mean you're not prophesying good toward me? Now, he understood better than we do when we read it. He literally understood what Micaiah said that God has fired him, he is going to lose this battle. Well, watch how he's going to lose. It's important that you hear. I'm going to, I have another um, translation that I want to read that little piece in. And so um, he, he said, uh, under First uh, Kings of 22.15, this is of the CEV version. Then Micaiah went to Ahab, and Ahab asked Micaiah, should I attack the Syrians at Vermont? Yes, Micaiah answered, the Lord will help you defeat them. King responds, Micaiah, I've told you over and over to tell me the truth, Ahab shouted. What does the Lord really say? Next verse, he answered, in a vision, I saw Israelite soldiers walking around the hills like sheep without a shepherd to guide them. You're sending people to war for your God against their God, and that can't turn out well. The Lord said, this army has no leader. They should go home and not fight. Ahab turned to Jehoshaphat and said, I told you he would bring bad news. Micaiah replied, listen to this. I also saw the Lord seated on his throne with every creature in heaven gathered around him. The Lord asked, 
who can trick Ahab and make him go to Ramoth where he will be killed? I thought y'all like it better than that language. Have no more fun, They talked about it for a while. Then finally, a spirit came forth and said to the Lord, I can trick Ahab. How, the Lord asked, I'll make Ahab's prophet lie to him. A lying prophet is always for your demise. Good, the Lord replied. Now go and do it. This is exactly what has happened, Ahab. The Lord made all your prophets lie to you. He knows you will soon be destroyed. Zedekiah walked up to Micaiah and slapped him on the face. Then he asked, do you really think the Lord would speak to you and not to me? Isn't that the, did anybody hear that? So the high prophet in the lying prophet's company is like, because he's the chief prophet. So the chief prophet is convinced that God would not speak to an imprisoned one, to one the king has rejected. And so he's saying, so you mean to tell me that you're going to get higher information than I get, more inside information? God's going to give you more intelligence than me, and I'm the chief? And I I stand at the king's right hand because he, too, has been caught up in the king's delusion. So he can't see the truth either. In other words, Ahab, the reason he has all these lying prophets is because he switched his God. And you don't have a God option. You know, there's no, in heaven, you got this one or that. You got Jesus and you got Satan and what they breathe. So Ahab has already, remember, Ahab married who? Jezebel. So the prophets he's running on, they are prophets of her kingdom. And so, and, and when you are at the top, you are always going to snatch anything that looks like it's good and it's the best because you need it at your disposal. That's what leaders do, high powers do. So Jezebel has her own prophetic guard, and she has some of the top of the top. And here we got this little low, low, lowly dust boy talking about goddamn God kids. And so Micaiah answered, you'll find out on the day you have to hide in the back room of some house. <laughs> he said, so when you hide, and so then Ahab is hot because the people have heard another side of the story. That's what's happening in this virus thing. They're blocking you from hearing another side of the story. So the people have heard the other side of the story, and what they heard was the God side. First man seems right until the second man speaks. And so he said, tell them, Ahab shouted, arrest Micaiah, take him to Prince Joash and Governor Anna of Samaria. Tell them to put him in prison and to give him nothing but bread and water until I come back safely. Well, that's going to be a short fact. <laughs> Micaiah said, if you, if you do come back, I was wrong about what the Lord wanted me to say. Then he told the crowd, don't forget what I said. You see, did you like hearing that story? I bet you like hearing it in this language. Because you can see it today. You can see it. So he was in jail. They had something called uh, prophet jail or prophet prison. And that's where prophets went when they were deemed 
uncredible or false, or if their word did not come to pass. Now, when the word comes to pass, they got to be let out because they found the true promise. Now, spiritually, this still happens. False prophets still go to Jesus' prophet prison. They can't talk. They can't speak for him. He doesn't give them anything. And they are bound to be fed prophecy by devils. And they can't know it. They can't know. Is this all right? Y'all all right with this? Because, see, when I, one of the things that we don't realize is that when I tell you that I know something is wrong, I'm not making it up. You didn't hurt my feelings. My feelings don't get hurt over that. I don't even think about it like that. I think about, okay, I've got to watch my people because words have power. Words are in containers. Words are in sectors. Words are generators, procreators. You understand? So I can't let you be fed and ministered to and nurtured by that because then I will do something that you will appreciate. So we'll go back and let's look at the next thing. I said Sunday, role prophets deform, debilitate, deregulate you. Don't forget it. Role prophets deform, debilitate, and deregulate you. And you have to recognize that. And if you're a pastor, because there are some, God's got some sassy pastors out there who are like, no. Mm-mm. And a lot of you know what I'm saying, and you haven't had the articulation. So I'm giving you articulation. You, you already have the inspiration. You have the information and the intelligence. You just need to know how to word it. There are a lot, many things get by because you're out of word it. I tell my, you know, I didn't do it before, but now we are creating a place where the people, my sheep, can get information to me. Before you couldn't. You all heard, you all saw, had vision, had words, didn't know what to do with them. Well, I'm, I'm not doing that any longer. And so if you look at the sign, um, the screen, it says apostles guard the stronghold of God, pastors guard their congregation. And so you have to recognize that while they were all guarding their congregation over the last several decades, the, the stronghold was being taken because it's the stronghold that generates the laws that protect. So it's the king that generates the laws that protect. So pastors are guarding their congregation. The problem is these pastors have does what's right in their own eyes, and so they don't have a standard. They don't have a pattern. They don't have a consensus. There's no, no place for consensus. You all didn't know all of this was in here. You did not know really what Micaiah was in jail for or that God has to do everything by spirit. God commissioned a spirit to take Ahab out. He said, yeah, now go do it. How to defend or extract yourself from a role prophet. Role prophets deform. Let me say that first. Deform means they break the formation of Christ in you that the truth has made in you. And they reverse your conformance to Jesus Christ. And they deform you so that you begin to shape and move and, and act and shift according to what their error is. I want you to understand. Well, did we see it? I mean, you look at the folks over here. God sent you here to get free, to get true. And where are you? You open some little clam thing, being reformed. 
You see, you, you deform to reform. Isn't that how it goes? You know, I was one of those people that I would say, no, I'm just not going to say. I put 35 hard years of labor in this. And I may talk about hard labor. And and I know about hard labor. My first daughter was hard labor. I was in labor with her for over 36 hours. It's interesting that I'm 35 years in. I'm laughing. Oh, I'm coming back. (laughs) Sweetest child, you want to know? But I was in labor. I went into labor Wednesday night at about 4.30, 5.30 in the evening. I delivered my daughter Friday at 5.30. I know my heart labor. Sweet girl. And back then, they did not care. And back then, not only did they not care, as far as they were concerned, you know, we as black folks didn't have the same stature. And so I was left to suffer all night, Thursday, Wednesday, to, and when God delivered my kids. I was delirious, etc. And I want you to know, I understand hard labor. I am not letting somebody who came from no place, going nowhere, undo what I've done or take my work. My job is to guard you. The Bible says Jesus commands us to keep that which has been entrusted to us. Nobody entrusted those people who wrecked your church with the sheep who didn't have sense enough to run and hide. Is that right? See, when you rip off people's sheep, you're not entrusted. You're taking someone else's trust and causing them to trust in a lie. Well, in that Bible, key it up on your phone, trust in a lie. You see, but that's just, I, I, I don't have, see, I work for the Lord Jesus Christ, the God who founded all, started all, who was God, all of that. You can trap me. If you notice, I don't just give you my opinion. I give you my government and my institution. We, many of us, and I'll put this up here, how to defend yourself or extract yourself from a role prophet. First of all, you don't even know what a role prophet is because in your, life, in your mind, you're, you're, you have a, you're thinking of a, a prophet that has been abused by leadership. Because, see, sheep don't abuse, only shepherds. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you have got to be, break that off. And so, so the, the, debilitate. Debilitate is the next, what? It's the opposite of habilitate. Habilitate means to learn, to grow, to, in order to become functional and productive in society. That's what it means. So we have debilitate means to neutralize you, to mobilize you, and to strip you from every and anything that makes you productive and prosperous and profitable. And so how do they do it? First of all, they walk, they talk you into following their lie. So immediately that takes you from under truth and the lie. That takes you from under grace under, uh, 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 and puts you under judgment. But it also takes you from under prosperity and puts you under punishment. Now, you say, without the time, there are a whole lot of people today who have, you know, done that, and they prosper. First of all, nobody, humans are prospering us. God is not. That's why you can tell that they're not prospered by God because they mutate. They mutate like aliens from another planet. Because an alien from another planet took them over. That's why they mutate. All those tattoos, those are mutations. All of that piercing, that mutation, that, 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 that is not. As a matter of fact, I'm reading a wonderful book 
that, of course, um, I will tell you, if you're going to read it, take it with a grain of salt, but it explains so much about 20th century, 21st century life. And so, if, if, you know, I'm going to do a class on the Nephilim. You know how fussed with you all about the Nephilim? Nephilim? I'm repenting. I'm repenting. I'm going to do a class on the Nephilim. And so in one area of this book, the Nephilim had, had devastated humanity, had ripped up the women, which they had done all of these horrible things. But the pantheon that they were supposed to be accountable to um, came in, destroyed them. This is an amazing thing. I'm not going to give you all of this right now. But here's what they said. The, they killed most of the Nephilim who were running the, over the human beings. They killed most of them. But they left a few alive, and the reason they left them alive because they repented. And they said, so we accept their repentance, but this is what we're going to do so that everybody knows that they were part of this uprising and this cruelty to the human race. Now, don't get in your mind that they care about the human race. What they cared about was reproduction. Okay. But, and so, and this is what they, this, this amazing statement, they said, we will tattoo every single one of them so that they, so everybody in every city will know they are our slaves. Spiritual protocols, spiritual backstory. So when you, when you decide that you're going to, to turn from the Lord Jesus Christ, they require you to mutilate yourself. Mutilation is part of it. That's why you got mutation. Now, this is understanding this. So you, you all are running around chasing these pastors. Yeah, they're free, they're free to put on tattoos, chasing these leaders. They're free to do that. No, they're marking themselves as slaves of a fallen god. So that all the other fallen gods know that they're free and open prey. That's why they have to take on so many spirits. That's, they can't stop it. You realize that when you think about it, when God says that when you get delivered and you don't, Fill yourself in Christ and stay with Jesus. He said, Spirit, come and bring seven more worse than themselves. Yes. You're looking at these preachers right now that you all are celebrating, and they're walking, wrestling with seven more. That's why they have addictions. That's why they have affliction. That's why they can't, they, they're mean. That's why they can't, um, they can't do anything but perform. Think about it. Because they, those spirits have, they yielded themselves. So, anyway. So that's the bulletin. And then deregulate. I like deregulate. Do you know why? <laughs> deregulate means that they teach you to break the wall, the laws, the rules, and the government of God's righteousness. They literally deregulate you from the righteousness of the Almighty. That's how they get you to come to their churches, come to their meetings, and all of that, and they seduce you. They seduce you with their A, charisma, or B, their pity or sympathy. So you end up breaking ranks with what God told you to do, and you end up being regulated by their sentiment or their rebellion. Is this helpful to you all? Yeah. How, am I, how am I doing on the phone? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah.
owes you a, a uh, an operating room owes you. I owe you to clean your environment and to remove you from the threat. That is my duty. I am obligated by God to move you from all threats and to move threats from you. See, a lot of us, you haven't learned to do that yet. I'm thinking by the time we get to 2025, it's going to be happening a lot. But my job is to speak to when I when I had a, a terrible babysitter over my kids, I did not worry about hurting the babysitter's feelings. Because I had to protect my children. I did not worry about how they were going to pay their rent when I fired them. You should have worried about that before you hurt my kids. I had a woman who did that. My youngest child um, I had a woman, older woman, and everybody just touted how wonderful she was and whatnot, and she's me. Understand, I wasn't safe. <laughs> and I came home, and my oldest daughter, who was like maybe four, had diarrhea. And she had been sick. Well, a woman didn't even call me at work to tell me, so first of all, I'm going to look. But, and she made my daughter wear that diaper all day long. I said, you little old crazy hat. I, 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 yes, I did. I was, I was and my... Yes, she did, and then decided that she was not going to, she was going to feed my child's food to someone else. So you have to understand. I said, no, no. So, see, but is that not what I'm doing now? If you don't move these people, you're leaving them in those dirty diapers all day long for the sake of the offender. And then your good food is being given to someone else. So this whole habit we have of, we'll talk about, well, I'll just mark them, but I won't say anything. No, that's right. Don't tell anybody so they can go and abuse somebody else's children. See, we'd like to say we're your mother and the Lord and father and the Lord. Yeah, we don't care for you as much as we did our own natural children when they were abused and battered as kids. I take very seriously that I'm a mother and daughter. I'm not trying to work on motherhood strikes. <laughs> I take very seriously what it means to be a mother in the Lord. I know that it's matriarchal more than it is mommy. Don't don't get hooked up. Don't get confused. But by the same token, I got to create a clear environment for you. I have to maintain a clean environment. I have to make sure that whoever's feeding you is not giving you poison food. It's not giving you food that's all burned up and all infected. It is my job. It's my job to make sure that you're not prophesied to in the name of not hurting a false prophet spirit. That's my job. I don't react because I have an ego thing. I don't, trust me, my ego is Jesus, can I go home tomorrow? Lord, can I get up out of here tomorrow? I just so love the Lord. I really do. But like Paul, I have to stay here because it's expedient for my people. It's expedient for my sheep. So I have to stay here. So it is, it, it is dereliction of duty that I don't remove threats from you. That is dereliction of duty. It is my, it's dereliction of duty that I don't push back on the darkness for you, that I leave you to be laid on the side of a tree to be eaten by wolves. That is dereliction of duty, and I'm not having it because I didn't have it with my natural kids. One thing people would tell you is that I was crazy about my kids because I felt like they were too weak and vulnerable to fend for themselves or to defend themselves. And I did it. 
and I'll tell you in a minute. Uh, and they know when they, when I was interviewing them, I'm tell you, I got listen. I have no patience for abusing my kids, not any. Now, if you decide to leave, that's your business. But don't go and lie and say you left because something was wrong with me because you couldn't deal with being cared for, because you couldn't deal with being guarded and protected. That's something else. But that lie will not hang on me. My reputation is way too strong for anybody to believe that, unless it's another rebel. Because the wicked need wicked reports. <laughs> I told you, I'm really an apostle. I'm a chief apostle. I'm the Paul and the, and the sellers. My sheep are not going out like that. You know. <laughs> yeah, I'm with the fellas. There you go. And that is why I'm doing this right now. I'm fighting for my sheep. And you know what else? Because you are my sheep. Those people who have come to the congregation, you laid everything down for this. How dare I reward your good with evil or dereliction? I can't do it. I won't do it. It's not me. I'm not doing it. Now I'm going to believe God to see the God come in and help him, whatever. If you decide to leave, that's fine, but you leave it on a lie. And you need to know, just like Ahab was dying on a lie, you're going to die on that lie. Spiritually, emotionally, financially, etc. And when you start, you talk about, we don't even accuse these people. This is abduction. You abducted my sheep. How you want to, you haven't done a thing to earn them. And you're going to abduct my sheep because you got what? A little piece of paper from a from a dead system? Not happening. Not happening. Because that's what you all are doing. You don't realize that you're sitting here dragging this man's sheep from pillar to post, taking them from under a good feeding. You got nothing. Do you realize that a role prophet will always teach you rebellion and that that rebellion God causes as witchcraft, so you are under the demonic of a witchcraft spirit? That's witchery. Yeah. Not theology, it's witchery. So you need to be questioning, again, let's go back to the idol. You need to question what witchery that idol is using on that rebel. What divination? This is hard talk. You all may not ever see me do this again, but I'm doing it now. Because I have a duty to Christ to give him good fruit. Paul said that I would betroth you to Christ, a chaste virgin, not a virgin chaste death. That's my job. You, and you, ministers don't talk about their jobs. They don't talk about their obligations. They don't talk about their duties and responsibilities. All they talk about is their ministry and their gifting. And not all of them, I'm just saying, in this category. All they want to talk about is their ministry and their gifting. They don't care that their gift is rotten, knocked off, empty box, a machine with no guts. They don't care about that. But I have dealt with the real Jesus, like many, many, many ministers have. And we are concerned about the quality of the sheep we give him and the quality of their lives. Because as Hebrews 13 says, we must give an account to God for your soul. My job is to see to it that your soul is qualitatively fitted 
for eternal life. And free from judgment. Because what happens is you come to me with a lot of debts to judgment, but as I teach you the truth, you shed that and you neutralize those debts and conform them into blessings because you learn the truth. It is the truth. The truth shall make you free, set you free. Listen, and sanctify you. The fact that you go running back to your old ways tells me that a delusion has replaced your truth. Because he said, what if Peter said, forgotten that you've been cleansed from your old sins. Those are real. And see, we, because we kept it locked in theology, we did not just expound on it technologically. I'm giving you the technological effects under, beneath the theology. What is happening when you walk away and do that? Because some of you all don't know. But what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen? What does it look like in the spiritual template of your natural structure. What are you what are you releasing on your life? What are you releasing on your children? What are you releasing in your inheritance? What are you doing? And if and if you're doing it, you decide you want to do it, fine. I'm okay with that. But be informed. What is a role prophet? I thought you'd appreciate this. A role prophet prophet is here's the whole list. And this is only some of it. A scoundrel. <laughs> a rascal. A reprobate. Immoral. Depraved. Now, what does that mean? They can no longer see the truth. So everything the spirit that seduced them into abdicating and also leaving Christ becomes their taskmaster. Becomes their diviner, their instructor, their director, and they don't know it. Nobody is saying that everyone knows it. They don't know it. A lot of them don't know it. But this is what it means to go rogue. I'm just saying this is what it means. Sinful, villain, corrupt. I like this one, um, black ground. And, a back, and, and they called it a black guard. One of what we said was a guard of darkness, perverted. Unprincipled. It is unprincipled for you to walk somebody else's sheep out the door because you don't want to stay. That's lack of principles. And in a secular world, they can sue you. Do you know that they have non-compete clauses in a lot of job contracts? You can't open up a business. You can't open up a clinic. You can't go and poach somebody's people without fear of retribution. Don't think that humans began. That man did. Or did he? No, God told you. Paul said that I don't preach. Did he say where Christ has been preached? That I don't in another man's spirit. Another, you can't lay a new foundation. This is my brother. So now you have all of these voices. I'm not just dealing with my recent situation. I'm dealing with all of this around the world because this devil thinks that he has free range. We are not free range sheep. We are obligated. We are owned. You don't have free range over our sheep. And I'm sharing this because I, because of who I am and the seat I sit in, I want to give you articulation, but also 
analytics. You can analyze this based on what I'm saying. Research these terms. Don't just and then when you go and look them up, look at the sentences they use. Because they tell you how that thing behaves. These are behavior issues. Behavior comes from attitudes and beliefs and values. This is a, a, a role process. Criminals, they commit crimes. What is a criminal? Something that is done that is worthy of being punished by law and judged by law. Fraudulent. That's the spirit we have out today. What are we living with? We're all living in. This is a Christ. And these prophets have made themselves susceptible to it. Fraudulent and shady and unethical. And see, we are accustomed to ministers just sucking it up. We're just going to suck it. Just suck it up for the sake of the sheep. No, I am going to expose it for the sake of the Lord, the God who shed his blood for the sheep. You should not continue to suffer loss because we don't want to call a thing what it is. A rogue is a rebel. And God says rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. And you need to realize that with this high witch thing we got going on in the country, in our country, you need to recognize what that looks like. These people are being gripped by a witchery spirit. And if we were weaker, we'd be in trouble right now. But we didn't. We are strong in the Lord. We are guardians of the stronghold. And if you all have questions, I'll take a couple. We have a little bit of time for them. She's first. Wow. Okay, so what is a prophet to do when they realize that they're being courted or they are hosting or entertaining idols unaware? Let's say that they bought into a lot of poor doctors that is very idolatrous in nature. What are they, what can they do to repent, separate themselves from that and get on track? That is an excellent, excellent question. The first thing you want to do is connect with your mentor or a, a higher veteran prophet or apostle. You must get help. Because, see, once you authorize a demonic encroachment, you have to have a higher power, a stronger man to get rid of it. Okay. So that's first. Which is why it's so hard. Which is why it's so hard for people to break free. Exactly. If they just think in their prayer closet, they can say, well, not by the, the devil caught him in the prayer closet. Okay, you were, I mean, you were in the prayer closet, caught you in the prayer closet, caught you in your office, caught you in your mantle, caught you in all of those places. So he already has them sewed up, kind of like the social media block thinks they have us. Okay, has them sewed up. So what you have to do is look for that stronger person, that stronger leader, pastor, um, mentor, coach, trainer, and have and, and begin to talk it through because you would now have to deauthorize that thing. Because you authorize it. So now you have to deauthorize it. And you don't know what it is because what you see may not be what actually is taking hold. So you also need high analytics. You need classes like this. You need my book, Assessing Your Prophetic Self. And you need other assessments and assessors. We assess your ability and talents. We never assess your vulnerability. Ah. 
We don't talk about threat assessment with profits, but that's what I just walked you through. Questions? People over here, anybody? <coughs> well, everybody needs to go back and think about what just happened to them. <laughs> How about online? Uh, any questions online? If you have questions, post them. George uh, will check YouTube. I want to hear. Like I want to hear from uh, uh, Prophet Angela. Oh, damn! Come on up here and grab hold of something. You know she's our assistant uh, company prophet. She's just relocated here from Iowa. Yes, she is mine now. Yay! You can stand right here, Miss uh, You also mentioned um, the issue of being regulated by sentiment and. Um, we have such a mixture of that in terms of the theology that we're receiving in the church at large. Could you help us discern when sentiment is packaged mm-hmm. as doctrine versus qualifiers for the true doctrine of Christ? Oh, excellent. I, the, I wrote in my book, um, Assessing the Prophetic Self, I have a section where I said, lift the cues, triggers, because there are trigger words. There are trigger words. For example, there's a uh, 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 a pastor, bishop that teaches Buddhism on life and threads it with Christ. If you don't know scripture, then you would think that there's no difference between Buddha and Jesus Christ. So as a prophet, it is important, if you saw Micaiah, it is important that prophets know the text. You must know the truth if you're going to detect the lie. Because it's the truth that reveals the lie. Lies don't expose truth. Lies cover truth. Okay. So you have got to get to a point that you examine every theology and and, and literally trace that thing. When I first got uh, called to God, I used to sit in various circles, and because God had spent like almost four years making me eat scripture, I mean, eat it. I was sitting there, and preachers would be giving all of this strange revelation and whatnot. God said, now, that's not me. And, and when I went home, he would, you know, after services, I'd go home. I'm in the bed. Get up. Get your Bible. See, if you want to do truth, God's going to see to it that you don't fall to a lie. Oh, okay. And so he said, get up. Get your Bible. And I would get up and get my Bible. He said, now, find that sermon in my word. And I was in the beginning because I was not, I didn't know after a while, I got to the switch. <laughs> I was like, and I'd go through it. He said, where is it? And I would say, well, here it is, because I would think that because it had a couple of familiar words that I found. And he said, no, no. He said, they steal my words. They change my words. They lie my words, lie about my words. And you have to understand that you're chasing a theology, and God is literally presenting and protecting a being with a habitual way of life. Okay, let's see here. Uh, there's a couple questions. First question, oh, this is something that you addressed in um, previous times. Question from Cruz online. Uh, she said, what if your husband has chosen a church? Are we bound to that church? <laughs> That's another false theology. Because you're not bound to go to the same school. You're not bound to go to the same job. 
why are you bound to go to the same church? If your husband has a church, and, and, and God should have a right to lead you and direct you as independent or individual converts to his faith, he should. Now, you know, he should. Um, because when you read scripture, the scripture, the only scripture we have that says that a husband and wife did the same thing as a Priscilla and a Fuller, everybody else had conflict. Everybody else had conflict. So the issue becomes whose God is God. Now, in other words, who's God over you and who's God over your marriage? Because Jesus is God over the marriage. He has a right to say your husband will be fed better here. You will be fed better there. When you're finished, come home, have family dinner, pray, etc. Not you are obligated to go to church where I go because we're married. Because if marriage doesn't obligate you to attend everything else as one, then it shouldn't be church. Wow. Now, if you decide you want your husband to, whatever, you go to the church you go to, he goes to the church he goes to, and may the best prayer win. Okay, Leonetta wants to know, how come it took 20 years to detect a real prophet? Actually, it did not. Um, we detected the real prophet probably from the beginning. Our thought was that this person had poor nurturing, poor spiritual nurturing, poor parental guidance, and as a result, should have had the opportunity, like Judas, should have had the opportunity to at least be exposed to the truth and to convert to it. We gave that time and training. You know, when you think of Judas, Jesus denied Judas nothing. I mean, Judas, was, he was given the same anointing. He had to go and cast out his relatives. You know, I give you power over this. He did have to cast out the devil as his friends and relatives. And Judas, because in the beginning, Judas probably did not know he was that different in what it meant to be. But when he could not stop going to the world, going to the authorities, he sealed his fate. And so, and God needed the followers. See, what, what, when, what God knows and what we know can be two different things. What God knows, for us to know, he must show. So he had to show us. Now we have a whole file. We have a profile. We have all of that that is there for us. Think about Lucifer. God did not, God knew Lucifer was going to be a mess from step one. But the people didn't know. And sometimes you cannot just fire people because of what you know in advance. You've got to let them earn the punishment. You've got to let them earn it. And that's what we did. And she said, thank you, Dr. Price. Jesus kept Jesus as close as he did the disciples. That's a really good answer. Mm-hmm. Um, because then I think uh, it's, sometimes it's hard to reconcile. Well, how can you have somebody position if they're this or if they end up this way, but understanding, like you, you told us for years, it takes a long time to grow mm-hmm. a human being. We all didn't get the same start. There's a lot of reworking and churning up the foundation. Uh, I love this one comment, and then we'll take the offer. Okay, Claudette said, this message has touched me so I had to pause for a moment to sow a seed. Couldn't wait <laughs> to the end of the message. Let's follow suit. Just, just. <laughs> Yes, that's outstanding. This word today is worthy of a seed. If you're one of those prophets who commented saying, as a prophet, I needed this, let's reciprocate because you're going to be able to take this and monetize this word somewhere, make better decisions for your life beyond this broadcast. 
for years. You will be able to make different decisions for you and the people that follow you. Yes. From information that you learned right here. So we want you to sow, 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 and share, share, share. share. So share and share some. Thank you for receiving me. Make sure that you use this. If you have a prophetic group, a college, a gathering, break this sit down and spend a month breaking this down and getting all the other nuances out of it and the subtleties and sublimities out of it that we I just couldn't cover. You should walk this thing through. All your prophets should go through this because many of them are gift conscious and their ministry is set. And we have to start being guardians. God bless you. See you Sunday at the Congregation of the Mighty, where God stands.